Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. For the past couple of weeks, I talked about uh, not giving up, about falling down, and, uh, and last week we talked about resting in God. And so we thought it would be good this week if Heather and I together talked to you about staying close to God or how to get closer to God. And so I'm going to read from Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 21. It says, because that, when they knew, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So Father, we just thank You for Your Word. We just ask Your blessing upon this message in Jesus' name. Amen. So staying close to God, this is usually a top priority for most Christians. And uh, maybe um, you've prayed a prayer about that, or maybe you've even gotten uh, in a prayer line or, came, uh, or come up to the altar and someone say, you know, what, what can I pray for? I just want to get closer to the Lord. You know, people will say that a lot of, a lot of times. And um, it would be really nice if it was just as simple as getting in a prayer line, you know, and the right person laying hands on you, and boom, it happens. But, but uh, that's not the way that it works. And so this verse that I just read to you, it's actually talking about the opposite. Um, Romans 121, it's, it's revealing the steps that you and I can take that will bring us away from God and uh, even uh, bring us to a place where our heart has become darkened. And... Uh, the good news about that, though, is that, however, by giving us these steps that can lead us away from God, we can take this verse and turn it around, and it gives us four powerful keys to staying close to God or even drawing closer to God. So if there was, if there was ever a time in your life that uh, you've ever known God's love, but you don't seem to be experiencing it now, you don't seem to be having that, those same feelings now uh, as you once did before, there were steps that you took for that to happen. It's never going to be on God. The problem is never on God's end. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. He said he'd be with us always, even to the end of the age. He's never stepped away from any person in this building. If anyone stepped away, it was us. We step away from him. But the good news is, flip these things around, and we can also see how we can lead ourselves back to him into a closer walk with him. And it seems to be this way even in relationships that we have maybe with our spouse or our friends or whatever. It's that, you know, whenever it's over or something's going on, you're like, how did we get here? How did this happen? But there's always steps that we take to step further and further away. But the Father is so incredible that he doesn't just tell us, stay closer to me. 
and he doesn't tell us how to do it. So we want to give you this thought. We want you to think on it. I um, feel like every time Aaron and I preach together, we tell you we want to give you something to think about. So in Romans 1 and 21, again, it says, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So the four steps or keys that are expressed about leading us away from the Lord are, number one, they glorified him not as God. Number two, neither were they thankful. Number three, they became vain in their imaginations. And four, their foolish heart was darkened. So we can flip those around and use these as powerful keys to draw us to the Father. We can glorify him. We can be thankful, recognize the power of our imagination, and have a good heart. So the first step is to glorify God. And the word glorify here in verse 21 means to esteem as glorious. And to esteem means to value, to prize, or to reverence. So if I were to ask you right now, what do you place value on in your life? you can probably name all the things immediately because we know what we value. And the things that are most important to us are usually the things that we value the most. And when it comes to the relationship with our Lord, it applies as well. But what happens many times is God does something amazing in our lives and we place value immediately on what God has done. But then Satan comes along and he comes against that value to try to compete for it because he always tries to steal, to kill, and destroy. He's never going to let us just have that incredible moment with the Lord. He wants to steal it, the value and the worth that we put on the things of God. Think about the times you've had an experience with him or a revelation with the Lord. Probably everyone in here has had something where um, someone's encouraged you and it's, and it's just kind of comforted your heart or you've had that experience with the Father at church or whatever that is, and as soon as that happens, the enemy tries to steal it. Maybe you've had a wonderful time of worship where you feel the presence of the Lord so strongly and you have a revelation of who you are in Christ and how loved you are, but then Monday happens or Sunday afternoon happens, who knows? It could happen pretty, pretty quickly and the enemy sends someone along just to tell you how sorry they think you are or just to kind of ruffle your feathers a little bit and you're like, oh, couldn't you just let me have this for a second? Maybe you've been looking forward to church all weekend, but while you're on the way or getting ready, Something happens or, you know, you have this amazing message planned and then you tell your wife the night before you might have to do it by yourself because you can't talk. So something happens and it tries to steal your value from the things of God. But the truth is, if we are going to glorify God by putting our value in him and what he says, we're going to have to devalue what other people say, especially when it doesn't line up with him. Because if we put so much emphasis on what others say and think about us, we're going to get rattled if anything is conflicting with what we think they should say. I mean, and, and I feel like we can kind of get into this trend even with positive things. Like, hasn't someone just kind of just like overflowed with, with incredible things about you and you just kind of feel like you're just riding on top of the world? Well, if they have that kind of power and control over you with what they say, if they said something negative, it would be the same. You'd, it would have an effect over you. So the point is to always value the things of God, what he says about us, more than what other people would say, because where your value is will determine how things will affect you. Yeah, one of the things that I think I've always um, kind of been able to relate to with this about what people value is when people would say this statement to me, and then it would set me off. They would say, it's just a game. <laughs> and if there's any athletes in here, and they say that. Um, but it's true. It is just a game. When I, was, uh, when I was 18 years old, I went and watched uh, these, this adult team, volleyball team play. This guy, was he was about 6'5", and, I mean, he was just, he was an athlete. 
and uh, he during a timeout, I was right behind the bench. I was there watching one of my buddies play because uh, I was going to try out for the team the next year, and uh, and I ended up being the youngest person in the in the whole thing. But that, but uh, he said, uh, guys, I'm just here to have fun. I don't want anybody to get hurt. It's just a game. Well, he just got kicked off the team like that. He they were done with him, and it was just guys playing. For, it was playing just for fun. But if you got something's valuable to you, it, it changes everything. And then, but that can be good and that can be bad. There's some people that their value levels are so low they don't ever get anything done. They don't ever take anything serious. They don't think that they think just being a Christian is nothing. There's nothing to oh yeah I said that prayer when I was eight years old. I'm good to go. They don't understand that it's important. It's valuable. There's stuff that we have to do. And then you have the other end of the spectrum. They put so much value on what everybody says, but except for what the Father says. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there are a lot of people, I'm not going to say all of them, but a lot of people that say, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. And then usually, they're the exact people to like to set everybody straight. If you didn't care what they said, why you got to set them straight for? <laughs> Something don't add up here in this when they say that. I don't care. What, I, I, I'm, I'm my own person. It doesn't bother me what anybody says. And then as soon as someone even mistakenly says something that's offensive to them, they're on them like that. I mean, they're after them. It, obviously, they do value what that person says, or they wouldn't have to straighten them out. I was having a dinner one time with two of my buddies. I guess I'll call them buddies. And uh, one of them just kept interrupting the whole, every time we were trying to talk about something, he kept trying to be funny. And there's nothing worse than somebody trying to be funny when they're not funny. That's one of the worst things ever. If you're funny, great. And even if you're funny, but if you're trying to be funny, it gets old. And he kept on and he kept on. And uh, so I just said, all right, I, the next time he says something not very smart, I'm going to reveal it on him real fast because I, be, I can be ruthless sometimes. Yeah. And uh, a lot worse back then than I am now. This was a long time ago. But uh, he says something and he opened the door and, man, I lowered the boom on him and made him look so not very smart. And uh, he got mad. We're eating dinner. He jumped up, slammed his chair, called me some bad names, told me how sorry I was and why he ought to slap me and all this stuff. I mean, just he went off. All I said was one phrase to him. And it was not even anything bad. And, uh, and then uh, so when he did that, I started laughing. And I doubled over in my chair holding my stomach laughing at him. And uh, he stormed out, slammed the door and left. And the other guy that was there said, man, I can't believe you let him talk to you like that. I said, what are you talking about? He said, if he had talked to me like that, I'd have hit him in the mouth. We'd have been fighting right here in the middle of the kitchen. And, then, and I said, well, why should I worry about what he says? I said, I thought it was funny. I said, everything. I said apparently he cares a lot more about what I say than I do what he, than what he says. And see, that's how we need, we need to be when it comes to, to the enemy. When it, we, why do we care what he says? He's going to say horrible things. He's going to say threatening things. Why are we letting it affect us? Our words are the ones with power because they come from Jesus. They come from the Spirit, and we can speak life, and we can speak breakthrough. See, the enemy, everybody worries about the enemy like he's this just big, big bad wolf that's going to pounce on you. And what he usually does to defeat us, he, he trips us up to defeat ourselves. I was reading a story one time. Not a true story, but it was given an illustration. 
And it said, I talked about a thief breaking into a department store a long time ago before computers. And he didn't steal anything. He just switched all the price tags around, like, more like vandalism. Just switched all the price tags to be funny. And it took him a half a day to figure it out. So the next day, someone got a $200 vacuum cleaner for eight bucks. Somebody spent $20 on something that should have been eight bucks. It was like all, everything was all mixed up. That's what the enemy usually does to us. Usually he just switches all the price tags in, in life on us. He, he causes us to go after the wrong things, put value in the wrong areas. We need to be careful not to let the enemy pull a fast one on us and switch the values of what's really important in this life and really important in eternity. And we like to move around and act like we don't have any control over the things that happen to us. But the truth is, is that we are the ones that place value on everything that comes against us. It's easier to put things in their proper place if our value for Jesus is where it should be. It puts everything in proper alignment, like what you said last week, right? That's what you preached on last week? Proper alignment? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Our value for Jesus should be greater than anything, anything, even our families. I mean, let that sink in. I mean, at our value systems of life, if Jesus is not at the very top, everything will not be in alignment the way that it should be. Our value for Jesus should be greater than even our circumstances. Because Paul, and the women have been talking about that in Bible study, um, Paul wrote the book of Philippians when he was in prison. But it's thought by many to be his happiest book. How is that possible? Unless his value system was in proper alignment. Because it's not about us, it's all about Jesus. And I think every person in here today is remarkable. But the truth is, for any of us, for all of us, if we are so wrapped up in ourselves, we make a very small package. It's all about God, and if we want to stay close to Him, draw closer to Him, then we need to value Him more than anything. And with that, we need to devalue the things in our lives that we've been giving way too much credibility to. There are some things we're just going to have to let go of in order to take hold of Him. We need to make sure that we glorify Him in every situation. And many people will say, well, you just don't know my situation. The situation doesn't matter when your values are in the right place. And I'm not trying to make light of anyone's situation or trauma or anything bad that anyone's been through, what they're struggling with. And if you're struggling with any of this stuff, that's why we're talking about it today, because we all struggle with these things in our lives. The Greek word that's translated glorify in Romans 121, it's later translated uh, magnify in Romans 11:13. So you could say that the words glorify and magnify are interchangeable. So... Uh, how can we glorify God? We glorify Him by magnifying Him. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we can relate a little bit better with that definition um, uh, in, in our minds. Because to magnify, we all know, means to make bigger. What are we magnifying in our lives? Are we magnifying God or are we magnifying the situations? And this applies to any situation that any of us face, that any of us find ourselves in. Are we constantly magnifying the problem by talking about how bad it is? Or are we magnifying God by talking about how great He is? See, the, the reason our situations may seem big to us could be that God is so small to us because we're, we've, we've been magnifying and glorifying the wrong thing. We haven't been magnifying and glorifying God. Now, I know some situations are terrible, but it really does just depend on how you look at it. You can't think of it like looking through uh, binoculars. If you make God big the way you're supposed to, if you look through the big end of binoculars, everything else looks small. 
If you keep God small in your life and you never magnify him, you never glorify him, and you look through a small God, everything's going to look big, problems and situations and everything you face. It's all about perspective and magnifying God the way that we should. And this kind of mindset doesn't just happen. This is stuff that we have to build those kind of muscles so when things do happen, we reflexively do this. This is, I mean, and, and that's really um, encouraging because that means you can start now. If this is something that you feel like you've been struggling with, it's not too far gone. You have plenty of time because the Father wants to be close to you. So as soon as you take that step toward him, my goodness, he's going to come running. So that brings us to the next step, to be thankful. Psalm 69.30 says, I will praise the name of God with a song, and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. See, all of this really does go together. Because in order for us to glorify God, we need to be thankful. As we think about the Lord with a thankful heart, we will magnify him in our lives. There's no doubt about it. When you look around today, it seems like a lot of people, even Christians, are ungrateful. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4, it says, In the last days, perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You see, it's interesting to note that in the middle of all of these kind of crazy things that we would list high up on our list of, of kind of a sinful lifestyles and thought processes, unthankful is listed among those. It's in the same company of all of these other things that we would never want to be classified as children of God. So the key to being thankful, we believe, is having a good memory and being humble. And what I mean by having a good memory is not that you never forget anything as much as it is that we remember things the right way. When we remember things the right way, we will be able to see the goodness of God in every situation from our past, and we will also be able to stay humble knowing we didn't make it on our own. And when Aaron and I were talking about this, it kind of reminded me of something that came up whenever we were having our Bible study on Philippians. Um, and then we were talking here in our next Bible study, we're talking about the women who are around Jesus, and one of them was Lazarus' sister. So it made me think about Lazarus, and Lazarus was legitimately dead for four days. He went through it. He was dead. But Jesus used that circumstance to glorify himself. So I thought about it, and I was like, would Lazarus have not gone through that in order to avoid all of that struggle? Do you think he would say, no, I don't want to be a part of that miracle because I don't want to go through that? I would probably say no because he was part of one of the greatest testimonies of something that Jesus did on this earth. It was how he looked at it. And sometimes the things that we go through, if we really think about what the Lord is doing in our lives, we can't help but be thankful, even in the middle of a struggle, because it's going to be part of our testimony. Psalm 103, 2 says, Bless the Lord all my soul and forget not his benefits. See, if we remember correctly, we will have no problem being thankful. There are a lot of people out here that have really good memories in the sense of being able to remember so many things that have happened to them or that they've experienced in life, but they have terrible memories in the sense of how they remember those things. You look at everything from an unthankful thought life of, why did this happen to me? Why did I have to have it so rough and go through all of this? All of these bad things are the reason I am the way that I am. They're so final. Those kind of phrases are so final. But shouldn't we be able to look at those same memories and say, wow, all of that, and I'm still here. 
God still has a plan for me. Wow, God sure protected me in that horrible time, and my life is a miracle because of God's love and grace. That's going to be a part of your testimony. And when you look back on it, if you have the right thought process about it, it will be worth it because it's a part of your testimony. The Apostle Paul had this all figured out. He remembered things the right way. He was beaten, shipwrecked, stoned, left for dead. Some even believe that he was dead. And yet he remembered them as light afflictions. That's what he called them, light afflictions, because his focus was always on the goodness and faithfulness of God. If I am behind a slow person in traffic, my goodness, you would think that someone is just beating me up. I mean, I just can't take it. And he was stoned and shipwrecked. And I mean, all of those things, and they were light afflictions. I would classify being stuck behind a slow person a light affliction. Not that. I mean, it's all about the way we think. And sometimes, sometimes the way we think needs to change. When we focus on the wrong things, we magnify the wrong things and become unthankful. We should be thankful in all things as children of the Father. I was reading a book um I believe it was an Andrew Womack book, and he was talking about a lady. Uh, he, had a, uh, he was at a meeting, I think they had about four to 600 people, and he said he got this word of knowledge about a uh, suicidal spirit. And so he gave the word, and this lady came down, and she's crying, and she's talking about how horrible her life is. And he's trying to minister to her, and he gets another word of knowledge, and he says, Ma'am, I, uh, I feel like the Lord showed me that when you were around six years old, somebody tried to kill you. And uh, she said, yeah, somebody had tried to rape and kill her at six years old. And so she's crying even more. And he says, uh, and, I, I see, and I'm seeing that there was three other times when you were a young person that you almost died or you should have died. And uh, she said, yeah. And then she, she just goes into how horrible her life is. And that's why she's the way that she is. And that's why she has all these problems now. And she's struggling with this and that. And he stops her and he says, Mama, I, I that's all fine, he said, but I feel like the Lord wants me to tell you you're remembering this stuff the wrong way. Yeah, you went through this, but God says he was with you when you were six years old, and he's the reason that they were not able to take your life. He said he was there the other three times when you almost died, and he's protected you, and he's brought you to this place in life because he has a purpose for you. And he just redirected those memories and led her through in deliverance, and just God radically changed her life. But she was remembering the things that happened, but she was remembering them all from the enemy's point of view right. instead of seeing how good God is. Any point of view you have that doesn't show how good God is, it's the wrong point of view. Because it doesn't matter what other people have done or what situations you put yourself in. God is always good, and he's always going to be working things for your good. If, there, if there's something you're going through and you can't see it from that viewpoint, it's not God's viewpoint. Right. Because if we want to be depressed, we don't have to look far. All we have to do is reach in our pocket or our purse and pull out our phone. Look on it for about two or three minutes and you've got something to be mad about, something you can cry about, something you can lie, uh, laugh about. <laughs> lie about. <laughs> lie about. <laughs> that, yeah, you can do that too if you want. There's a lot of that on there too. But, but, I mean, it's all right there. See, we all have a story that we could tell if we wanted to. Yeah. There are plenty of depressing things out there for us to think about. But if we will remember even those things correctly and we'll be thankful, our thought lives will begin to change in a very positive way. And we won't have to be discouraged. And this actually takes us into the third key, recognizing the power of our imagination. In Romans 1.21, the part it says, 
that they became vain in their imaginations. See, when we don't glorify God and we don't magnify God and we're not thankful people the way that we're supposed to be, it will lead our imaginations uh, to become vain. And if you look up the word vain, it has two meanings. It says having or showing an excessively high opinion of one's appearance, abilities, or worth. And number two is producing no results, useless, non-productive. Now, probably either one of these would work, but I'm going to suggest the second definition here because when we become vain in our imaginations, it's not that our imaginations aren't functioning. The problem is, is that our imaginations are not benefiting us. And the fact is not only are they not benefiting us, they're actually working against us because we're using them in the wrong way. So your imagination is important. It's always functioning. Every person in here. And it's up to us if it's going to be working for us or against us. If it's going to be working for the kingdom of God or if it's going to be working for the enemy. And you might think that because you don't consider yourself a very creative person or you're not very artistic that you don't use your imagination much. But you do. We all use it all the time. Right. Every day. See, think about this. No matter how long you've lived at the house you're in now, if I just ask you, how do you get to your house from here? You can't tell me without using your imagination. You can't just spit out how many right turns and left turns in the street names. You're going to take that journey in your mind step by step and tell me how to get to your house. See, you, you can't do it without imagining it first because we could not function without our imaginations. Right. See, it's a vital part of the way that we give and the way that we receive information. If I, right now, I just said, uh, everybody picture a dog. Heather's going to see her dog. You're going to see maybe the dogs you have at home. But if then if I say, all right, uh, um, a uh, black and tan dog, some of your visions are going to change in your mind. And then if I say a big black and tan dog, just about everybody in here is going to see a Doberman, a Rottweiler, or a German Shepherd in their head somewhere as, as we do it. It's going to start painting pictures in your mind. Your imagination is powerful. And that's why so many people talk about how powerful it is to go over to Israel. Uh, well, my dad went. He talked about it for weeks when he got back because when they go to those places that you've read about, now all of a sudden you're putting images into your imagination and it makes the whole uh, Bible come alive to what you're reading and, and what they were experiencing in that time. That's why they say a picture is worth more than a thousand words because it puts, sometimes it puts something in our imagination that words just can't, can't do it. Our imagination is that powerful. And they are so powerful, and that's one of the things that we love about children. I think everybody can admit that children just have this crazy imagination that they just they just have. They, they're all the time just thinking about who they are and their imaginations. They're a princess. They're a superhero, all these things. Why is that so endearing in children? But as adults, we don't seem to embrace that in ourselves, right? I mean, our imaginations don't just die. They're still there. We're just using them in a different way, a different way than we're supposed to, because everyone in here is using their imagination, and it's incredibly powerful. And being able to see the proper image on the inside is vital to everything. They talk about how when people go into surgery, it is incredibly vital that they know that they believe that they're going to come out of it alive. I mean, uh, probably you've heard about that phenomenon, but if, if a patient believes that they're going to be okay, if they feel encouraged going into surgery, they're more likely to survive that surgery than if they didn't because their imaginations are that powerful. This is why builders use blueprints. 
why designers and even makeup artists will sketch out their designs before they attempt to create them because they have what's actually going on in their imagination and it needs to come out so that they can see it. It's very important. Now, I know that there's been some disturbing things about Disney lately, this whole woke agenda, but I have personally always loved Disney. That was where my family used to go when we were little and still do, and it's just this magical, amazing experience to me. And where adults can seem to use their imagination, it's one of the few spots in this world where that's actually accepted. <laughs> and it actually should be that way in the church, to be honest with you. Um, and I don't like the bad things that are going on, but the creativity of Walt Disney in creating that because of what he saw in his imagination and what his team continues to do is incredible. You see, I watched one of the documentaries about the Imagineers on Disney Plus, and while watching all of the unbelievable creative things that they've accomplished, one thing that really stuck out to me was that it did not matter how big or how small a project was that they were getting ready to create, they always would make a model of what they were wanting to do before they'd even start. I mean, down to the finest detail, if they were going to build one of the castles, they would have the gutters on there. They would have every single little thing brought out because they wanted what was in their imagination to come out and it was always first class. Every single little detail was there because when you are striving for greatness, it's important that you have the right vision in your imagination. Every detail is important and it's important to see it even before you see it. Now this is something that, that I feel like to a degree we've lost in the church. I mean, as soon as someone starts talking about using your imagination, it kind of gets a little, ooh. you know, but we tend to have no problem with it whenever we're trying to be negative or worrying, I mean, that seems to kind of be acceptable. But when it comes to the positive and using our imagination the way that we were meant to, people want to say that you're being unrealistic, you're being even a little bit crazy, or you're being immature. That's what they did to Walt Disney. That's what they did to other innovators. But we need to be at the forefront of creativity happening. I mean, our father spoke, and it became. Don't you think that he saw you? In his imagination, before he spoke you, because it says he saw you in your mother's womb. I, I had not been in my mother's womb from the beginning of time. He saw me before I ever was. Our imaginations and our thought life is incredibly powerful. And if we, as children of God, as sons and daughters, don't teach people how to use their imagination the right way, who do you think is going to teach them? I mean, it's incredibly important, our thought life and what we see because that's what we speak, and that's what becomes. It's, it's incredibly important. And this can go from big things all the way to the smallest things in our lives. And uh, because a lot of times, if you're like me, it's the little things that end up where you, you lose it and, uh, <laughs> or you mess up big time. So, for example, let's say you're, you run into someone you haven't seen in a while, and maybe they don't say a whole lot to you. Or... Uh, Maybe you're at like a crowded event or something and they don't even say, come say hi to you. Now, if you aren't careful, your imagination could start coming up with a lot of different horrible reasons of why this happened. Maybe this has happened to you before. I'm not sure. But what we'll do with it, see, when we start talking about using your imagination, people, they, Heather's right, they won't go to the positive side, but they have no problem hanging out on the negative end of it. Because what we'll do is we'll end up telling other people about how we saw so-and-so and they didn't even say hey to us. And they'll just, and those people love it. They'll add even more fuel to that negative fire. 
And the truth could be maybe that person had a lot going on. Maybe it didn't have anything to do with you at all. Maybe it was just, maybe it was just them. But on the other hand, why don't we go to that same imagination extreme when someone does go out of their way to be nice to us? Why don't we tell people about that? We usually, we usually don't. And if you saw me and said, oh, they were so nice to me, the same way that you, say, you tell people when someone upsets you or does you wrong, what, what would change then? Those same people that want to fuel the negative fire would probably say, hey, let it go already. I get it. They said, hey. <laughs> It's kind of the same thing, that let it go already. They didn't say, hey, what does it matter? See, the funny thing is, is when someone tells us that they, they've heard us talk about the good things enough, because when something good happens to you, you do get excited. Before you know it, you've told somebody four times in a row the exact same story. Uh, or at least there's always somebody in your family that will do that. We all have that one relative that will tell, tell you, must be me. <laughs> but, you know, and they say, hey, just let it go. We, usually... You laugh about it, so I can't help it. I'm just so excited. I just want to keep talking about it. But if that person will say, when, you know, when you're saying the negative thing, and they'll say, hey, look, man, I've heard, I've heard enough of that. I don't want to hear any more. It, it doesn't matter. Just let it go. Usually we don't. Usually we just turn around and add them to the same list of the people that we're mad at and go find somebody else to tell them. I was trying to tell them what was bothering me, and they did this. Because we want to stay in that negative place of our imagination. We've all done it, but it's time for us to start getting this thing right and start drawing closer to God and using our imagination with Him. So we need to draw closer to Him because the world, not just for ourselves, but the world needs us to. Think about how the disciples saw themselves in their imagination so many times, even when they were with Jesus. Before Jesus fed the multitude, the disciples came up to him and said that the people had been there for a long time and they needed something to eat. It's right about that time. I need something to eat right now. And when they were wanting to send the people away to get something to eat because they wanted to meet that need, they were concerned for them. It wasn't that the disciples were trying to get out of something. They were concerned about the people. They were concerned for their need, but their thoughts, their imagination did not think that they were able to meet that need. They wanted to send the people away to have somewhere else to have their needs met. And the church is doing the same thing today. We are doing the same thing today. We are not seeing ourselves the right way because our imaginations are vain. I mean, it's like with Aaron, with his friend who wanted to kind of, you know, give it to him. Aaron laughed. Why is that not our response when we hear the lies of the enemy declared over ourselves or the lies that other people are declaring? I mean, my goodness, we, we need to know who we are enough to know our value that our response is to laugh instead of taking it to heart and absorbing it like that is who we are. Because if we are saved, then the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is in us. I mean, we get so used to saying that, like it's just this mantra that, you know, it, it is what it is. But that's incredible. Is that how we're seeing ourselves? I would say probably not because we would be laying hands on the sick for them to recover. We would be declaring, declaring the value over people everywhere we go if we really believed that the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. I think I would. The strange thing about all of this is that it will sound crazy and far-fetched to so many Christians when what we're talking about is not a far-off dream, but it's all what Jesus has already done. It's what we've already have if we would just see it and access it. 
How do we see ourselves today? If we see ourselves as anything other than powerful and victorious in Christ, then we've fallen for a lie and our imaginations are working against us. So that's why we're wanting to give the keys so that that way we can become aware because you can change the way that you think. It's completely possible and doable. We just have to start. So the first key is to glorify God. Second is to be thankful. Third is to recognize the power of our imagination and begin to use it for the kingdom. And the fourth is to have a tender heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. See, someone with a darkened heart is someone that is not sensitive or responsive to God. And this is why we have so much religion in the church, because people just aren't sensitive and responsive to God because their hearts are darkened. And Psalms 32 verse 9 says, Do not be like the horse or the mule, which must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. See, we should not be like animals. We shouldn't be like animals with no understanding when it comes to the things of God. A horse or a mule, they have to have something in their mouth that's causing them discomfort and pain in order for them to do what the master wants them to do. And they respond only to things that are physical. Unfortunately, that's the way a lot of Christians live their lives. They only understand punishment. They only understand something that they feel physically. See, we need to have tender hearts toward the Lord so that we can be led by the Spirit in all that He has for us to do. You know, I would much rather live my life sensitive to God and looking forward to the promises instead of having my heart darkened and having to live my life in fear of the consequences. But that's what we have a lot of people living their lives that way. This is such a powerful revelation if we'll just apply it to our lives. Staying close to God is vital to each of us. Our hope is that starting today, each one of us will glorify and magnify God. Be thankful and praise Him. Make Him bigger than anything else. Minimize the negative and be like Jesus. Despise the shame and the joy, for the joy set before us. Keep our eyes and our focus on Him and all of the wonderful things He has done. And when we do this, our imaginations will begin to work properly. That's the goal. They will be positive, and our hearts will become more and more sensitive to Him. With this message, it's just it, these things, I'm not going to say always, but seem to go in order. It's not going to do you a lot of good to be praying for God to give you a tender heart if you're not magnifying God in your situations or if you're, if you're uh, unthankful about things in your life. But if, but if we will begin to praise God and magnify God and be thankful for everything that, we, that He blesses us with, that He's done for us, then our imaginations will start to work properly. And we will have that tender heart to be led by the Spirit and experience all the things that Jesus said that we would experience. Yeah. And that's what our desire is for everyone in here today. And uh, we're just so uh, thankful to have each person here for this homecoming event. And so let's just uh, go to the Lord in, in prayer today. God, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word, God. We thank you that you never leave us or forsake us, God. Lord, we just repent for all the times that we've stepped away from you or we've pulled back, God. We want to draw closer and closer to you in all that we do. Help us to do the right steps, God. Help us to, to glorify and magnify you in all situations, God, to be thankful at all times, God, to not allow the enemy to use our imagination as a playground, God, but to partner with you with our thoughts and our dreams. 
And God, that our hearts would be tender to your spirit, God, that we could just be led and moved by you in all things. God, I pray every person in here that they would be blessed, God, that you would just uh, pour your spirit out upon them like never before. And God, the time we're going to have today, uh, today in fellowship together, Lord, we just ask you to bless that. And Lord, bless the food and those that prepared it. And we just thank you for a wonderful time in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.